We are going to begin a, a new study this morning on the subject of patience. You can see uh, by the screens we're calling the series The Waiting Game. I want us to look at this theme in the Bible of God's patience. But to do so this morning, kind of to begin our study, I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn them to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34, so it's the second book of the Bible. If you pick up one of the Bibles in the back, it'll be page 50. And I've asked uh, Lael Houston to come and read the first several verses of this chapter. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me, on top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and let no one be seen throughout the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite of that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth in worship. And he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go into the midst for us, of us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. Thank you. Seems like if you want to sell something these days, it doesn't hurt to have some adjectives in the marketing plan like, this is quick, or we've got the shortest waiting room times, or fast food, fast cash, rapid rewards, quick turnaround times, high-speed internet. I, I believe in a culture where like quick and fast and high-speed that's just kind of our norm. We're used to those sort of marketing pitches. We, we, we recognize, though, we live in a world where things don't always happen fast and quick and high speed. God has a lot to teach us through waiting. There, there are words in the Bible like slow. And there are things that God has to teach us through the delays and the detours that life brings us. We, we recognize we have to wait. We, we wait on a web page to load. We wait, like summoning all our patients in line. I was in one of those lines yesterday, and I'm in the wrong line because that line is just moving quick, and here I am, and I'm waiting. And, and I, you wait in traffic. You wait at a restaurant. But I mean, those, are, those are like small things. And rightfully, I mean, we shouldn't sweat the small stuff. But then there are then there's big things that we wait for. We suffer and we ask God, like, how long? 
we find ourselves waiting for a particular season of life to just be over. So where we can turn a page and kind of leave the past behind us. And it just can't get here soon enough. We wait on God to give us a child. We wait on a diagnosis. We wait on a treatment plan. We wait on a certain relationship to materialize the form and to grow strong. We wait, and in the waiting we struggle. I think we all struggle with patience. So what can help us here? What can help us with with this area of patience? What will motivate us to be patient? What will give us strength when patience seems like the option we don't want to take? How can God's word help us? Of course, because we live in a God-centered universe, the place to always start is with God. And particularly on this subject of patience, I think the place we need to start in listening to what God has to say to us It's not some techniques to become a little bit more patient. But actually what we need is to see that God is a God of patience. This is a regular attribute that he he is given. He is the a Lord, he is a God of patience. And, and particularly the way we know that patience, so it's, it's labeled in different ways in different places in Scripture, but a pretty familiar one in Scripture is that God is said to be slow to anger. Slow to anger. And you likely, if you've read the Bible before, you, you've, you've read that, you've, you've heard that. But what does it really mean for God to be slow to anger? We We saw it in the verses. Can we go back to them? Exodus 34, 6 and 7. It reminds us in that passage that the Lord passes before Moses and proclaims, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. And there's the word. He is slow to anger. What what does that mean? We normally spend the teaching time looking at one particular passage with several verses and dig kind of deep into that, unpack that. Today, though, I just want to look at that phrase that God is slow to anger and think through that together with, with you today, that God is slow to anger. And, and that will mean very, very little to you. The fact that God is said to be slow to anger, like that will, that will mean next to nothing to you. If you're kind of protesting in your heart and protesting in your mind, well, what does God have to be angry about in the first place? Like I, I, I don't, I mean, we sang, you know, the Father's wrath is completely satisfied. Why is, why is God angry in the first place? And may, maybe you bring those kinds of questions here and, and you, you feel like, I just want to dismiss the entire conversation of God being slow to anger because this silly nonsense about some ancient angry God, like this is not where we live and I, I don't even want to think about that. Or, or maybe you wouldn't go so far as that, but you just kind of discard the conversation. You discard the number of times God's anger comes up in the Bible. Yeah, that, that's kind of old, old religious stuff. Really isn't the case anymore. I, I, don't, I don't like to think of God in terms of anger or wrath. And, and if you do that, what you've done is actually minimize what God says when he says he is slow to anger. He's revealing himself. He wants you to know him better. This is the way he describes himself. I find in my own heart, I don't discount God's anger. I don't just kind of eliminate it from conversation. But what it's easy for me to do is to say, well, sure, yeah, God's, 
God's angry because there's a lot of bad stuff in the world, and you'd be kind of an idiot not to see all the bad stuff in the world and think that if there is a being up there, he would not be, you'd not be really pleased with the violence, with the abuse, with the trafficking, with all, I mean, how, how would God be okay with that, of course? So we, we can get a category for God to be angry, and, and yet we kind of want to depersonalize it. We want to say, actually, the anger would exist out there somewhere in this awful world, this awful mess, but... But as far as him being slow to anger with us, now I'm not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that totally applies. It's more directed toward people who aren't like me, who do stuff I would never dream of doing. That's where his anger really lies. I want to say, if our attitude is to like, not have a category for the anger or the wrath of God, we're missing a key element of who he is. I read this week, if we don't know God, we can't love God, just like any relationship. If we don't really know who God is, if we just got to make up stuff, we say, I love that. If we don't know who God is, we can't love God. And so God in this passage is telling us what he's like. And, and, and I want us to dig into this. So what does it mean when God says he is slow to anger? What would he have to be angry about? Well, We could start right here in Exodus 34. So why would he say that to these people at this time? Why would he say, I'm slow to anger? If you've ever ever read the book of Exodus or even portions of the book of Exodus, you realize Exodus is a story about God miraculously delivering his people from oppressive slavery. It's a story of God proving faithful again and again. The hero of the book of Exodus is God. And he's the hero of every single book in the Bible. But in Exodus, he comes to the rescue of his people and and he enters into a a covenant relationship, a binding agreement with people. And it's a, it's a, he's sovereign. He can do what he wants to, but Exodus tells tells us that what he wants to do is enter into a relationship with the people of Israel. And it's a, a covenant bonding relationship. Part of this relationship is he says, I've delivered you. Now, here's how you should live. I actually have a name for that. It's given in Exodus 20. It's called the Ten Commandments. There's, there's so much more instruction than just like ten do's and don'ts. There's so much more that God is saying, here's how I want you to live. Here's how I desire that you worship. The book of Exodus continues. And, and in Exodus 32, so that's just two chapters before the passage that Lael read a, a moment ago. In Exodus 32, God's people, although they've been told not to do this, decide they're going to make a statue. They, they, they want to somehow symbolize God because it's always easier to walk by sight and not by faith. And they, they, they couldn't really see God, so let's have a statue. Let, let's make this cow, this golden cow, and we'll bring everything together and we'll craft him in the image that we want and we'll worship the way we want to worship and and, and he'll be our symbol, and we'll make him what we want him to be. I decide to do this, and in the midst of this, we, we recognize, okay, so God has delivered them, told them not to do this, and they do it. What is that other than blatant disobedience? What is that but saying, God, big God of the universe, we think you can kind of fit into this cow, and we'll worship that instead. What is that? like direct defiance of the Lord. 
Exodus 32 and 33 show us that God is rightfully angry. Moses, a character in the Bible, kind of he stands as a mediator between the people and God and and he prays for them. It's a beautiful prayer in Exodus 33 that God would not destroy them. And then we come to Exodus 34, the passage that we read, and then it makes a little bit more sense to us, doesn't it? Okay, so when God reveals who he is, this is what he says, I am slow to anger. Why did God have to be? Why, why might God be angry? Because of the idols I, that, that the people had, had made. God says, I, I don't move quickly to anger. It's a lesson that I think is embedded that I hope we take from this study, and that is that God works in his time for our good. So it's in that time of God being slow, not quick, but slow to anger, that he's working for his people's good. Because if he was quick to anger, he could have judged them on the spot. But he doesn't wipe out all these people, and something good is going to come from that. Something good like Joshua and something good like Ruth and someone good like David and someone good like Esther and someone good like Josiah and Nehemiah and Ezra and someone good like Jesus himself is going to come from God's decision to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God is working things out for our good. So we can see it from Exodus 34. Okay, so God had a right to be angry, but you, but you can kind of go a long way with that and go, okay, I see how God would be, could be angry, but it's good for God's people that he wasn't angry. But that's, that's great, Curtis, but I'm not into the habit of making cows. Like, so I, I can tell you, you come to my house, you won't find any golden cows. So I'm not guilty of that. So would God have any reason to be angry with me? I, we, as far as I know, I've looked in most closets in this room, in this facility here. We we have no golden calves that we set out and say, worship that. And so by that means, are are we, yeah, we're really not in danger of God being angry. So this whole discussion doesn't really apply to us until, until, until we recognize that while they have their golden cows, anything that replaces God is an idol. Anything. Anything that we begin to say, this defines us. This is who I am. This is what's important to me. I'll make sacrifices for this so that I get that. Any good thing that God has given us, a job, our stuff, a family, position, influence, any good thing that becomes an ultimate thing that defines us, that, that makes us over against what God says. Anything where we take God and say, I think I'm going to redefine God and his word and make it more like what I think. Anything like power seems to be calling shots in our life or, or sex that is controlling us or money that seems to be the most important thing to us. Maybe we identify more and more with these people God had every right to be angry, but he tells them, I'm slow to anger. God's perfect, so some of this line of thought is strained. But imagine, I don't think it's hard to imagine what it looks like when, when we're fast to anger. 
So I don't know, I mean, what it said of God is that he is slow to anger. But likely in our room, we have many that are fast to anger. And certainly we've all lived or been in the presence of people that just had such a short fuse, they went from like zero to ten. And for all the excuses of, yeah, it's just kind of how I was raised, that's just kind of how our family is, that's just kind of our culture, we get mad and then we get over it. No, I, I actually think a lot of us recognize how painful it is to live with people that are fast to anger. Why is that? Because if you're fast to anger, you don't really have time to weigh things carefully. So you're very likely to do things that are very unfair because you haven't processed it. You haven't taken time to to consider it. And and immediately the hammer drops. And and no one wants to live with someone that's angry at them all the time and that can just immediately go off. And and when we're fast to anger, often we we operate with an incomplete amount of information. I have to confess there's times where I I think that although my three kids are wonderful like 98% of the time, occasionally there are these times where things get a little bit shaky and I immediately know what to do, what the problem is, what the underlying motive is, and I begin to act. And, and my anger is not slow, it's fast, and it comes out. And, and often in those times, what I, what, I, what I don't have is all the facts, so I may tear someone down not having all the facts. We know what fast to anger is. It means we're rash, we're needlessly destructive. We say things that hurt and you can't unsay some things. And so people live 10 years, 15 years, 40 years, 60 years, never forgetting what someone said to them in a moment of being fast to anger. We know what it's like when someone is just unpredictable and everyone around them has to live in fear that maybe they're not in the greatest of moods and maybe if you just say one thing wrong, it's over. We know what fast anger looks like. It's someone who's harsh and vindictive and selfish. It's all about them. And their little world isn't going well. And so out it comes. And, and so we, we, we see all this. And, and what happens when we're fast to anger is there's no, there's no real opportunity to change because like judgment comes and it's judge, jury, executioner immediately. And everything happens and there's no opportunity to talk and to help and And let someone see maybe where they could have done something different. All that is eliminated because we have been fast to anger. None of that is a pretty picture. That's why we ought to appreciate when the Bible says, yeah, all of what you just imagined of being fast to anger, all of that that you know from like growing up with him or her, all that you know of having to live and work with that person, that boss, that coworker, that that employee, all of that that you know. And God says, I am slow. I'm slow to anger. I, th- I think we can see it in Romans 2.4. Listen to what Paul says. He says, do you presume on the riches of his kindness, on the forbearance and patience of God? Do you not know that God's patience, his being slow to anger, is meant to do something. Why is he slow to anger? Why does that even matter? It's, he is slow to anger so that that might lead us to repentance, so that might lead us to a change. Why is he slow? He is slow. The patience of God is meant to lead us to repentance. I normally don't 
quote long portions of an author, but I, I do want to make an exception here. Eugene Peterson helped me so much this week because this is what he says. Repentance is not an emotion. It is not feeling sorry for your sins. And when I first read that, I thought, well, wait a minute, I think that is what repentance is, but, but keep listening. It's a decision. Repentance is deciding that you have been wrong and supposing that you could manage your own life and, and be your own God. It is deciding that you were wrong in thinking that you had or could get the strength, the education, and training to make it on your own. It's deciding that you have been told a pack of lies about yourself and your neighbors and your world. And it is deciding that God in Jesus Christ is telling you the truth. Repentance is a realization that what God wants from you and what you want from God are not going to be achieved by doing the same old things, thinking the same old thoughts. Repentance is the decision to follow Jesus Christ and become his pilgrim in the path of peace. When it says God is slow to anger and his patience, his kindness is meant to lead us and just pave the way, open up the highway, no orange barrels, no detours. You come to me. It's to lead us to repentance. This is the repentance that's being talked about. So where are we? Praise God that he is slow to anger with us and gives us numerous times to repent. So we find this one passage in Exodus 34 where the Bible says that God is not quick to anger but he's slow to anger. But we don't just find that one time in Scripture. Like this isn't the only scenario in which it's said God is slow to anger. As a matter of fact, God is slow to anger with wicked nations, with wicked people, with wicked cultures, wicked empires that are going the exact opposite direction of his will. God is patient. God is slow to anger. And we know that because these same words of God, God is slow to anger, are used in a a two-part story. The first part is found in the book of Jonah. Some of you may remember the story of Jonah. So God sent a prophet named Jonah to go to this capital city of the Assyrian Empire, capital city of Nineveh. And so if you knew much about Nineveh, you would know It was just an awful place. It was a brutal place. It was a wicked place. And if ever there was the category for, okay, God, you can be fast to anger here. You just bring it. I mean, that is what Jonah wanted. That is what all of Israel wanted. Be fast to anger on these people because they deserve it. This is just a wicked, a wicked people, a wicked culture, a wicked nation. Jonah is assigned to give them a message calling them to repent, calling them to turn. And Jonah doesn't want to do it. Why doesn't he want to do it? We actually get a glimpse into why he does not want to go to Nineveh with the message to repent, to turn back to God. In Jonah 4.2, it says, and he prayed to the Lord. Maybe, I don't know if it's in the Hebrew there, but a better translation might be, and he whined to the Lord. He's just not happy about anything in Jonah 4. And this is what he says. Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I didn't even want to go here because I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful. You're slow to anger. There's the words, and abounding in steadfast love. You relent from disaster. You're going to give Nineveh a break. I knew you'd do this. I knew it. 
Because this is who you are. As you continue reading in the Bible, like part two comes up. Remember, God works in his time for our good. And God uses extended time to accomplish good things. As time goes by, part two of this Nineveh and Assyria and God situation. Second part of that is told in Nahum. Nahum, another prophet, who says, God will indeed judge. God's judgment is coming on Nineveh. It's coming on Assyria. But in Nahum 1.3, before that judgment is poetically described, these are the words, the Lord is slow to anger. He's great in power. He doesn't clear the guilty. God is slow to anger with wicked nations. God is slow to anger when a nation becomes brutal and harsh. God is slow to anger when a nation wholesale follows a false religion and a false idea of the world. God is slow to anger in nations where people aren't all treated as image bearers of God. God is slow to anger when there are nations that are where violence is the rule, not the exception. God is slow to anger with nations that have leaders filled with pride. God is slow to anger in Western democracies where we take the freedom that he gives us and we use it for greed and for sexual immorality. We're free to do whatever we want and we turn that in a way that he says, that's not okay. God is patient. God is slow to anger. So this is what we know, church. Any judgment coming from God will not be, will not be rash, will not be selfish. It won't lack consideration. God is patient. This is true for people that are like outside the, the covenant family. That. It's true for people inside the covenant family of God. We, we would call it the church. Certainly in the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel. What happens when God's people go off the rails? So this isn't like the, the wicked nations, but it's God's people, the church. What happens when, when we don't live up to what we know is true and what we know is right? You read in Scripture and you realize that the story of Scripture, it, it seems to start in Genesis. It just continues on as, as God's people and it's almost like a yo-yo. It, it's moments of faithfulness and then down into moments of betrayal against God and moments of like repentance and revival and then moments of like shaking your fist before God. And this is the way we as God's people act toward him. God confronts his people. He doesn't just let us say, oh, you, you do whatever you want. If you're, if you're in a jam, just call and I'll help. No, God sends us reminders and convicts us. And, and he sent a prophet named Joel in the Old Testament to confront his people. And he talks about this day of the Lord that's coming and this plague where it's like, let me get your attention, people. God is going to move. And notice what he says in Joel 2.13. He says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. And what are the next words? He's slow to anger. So we're, we're hundreds of years removed from the first time God revealed to his people, I'm slow to anger. And he's still saying it. I'm slow to anger. Turn, turn back to the Lord. 
I I don't know the life story of each individual here, but I, I do know this. The Lord says, return to me. I abound in steadfast love. I'm slow to anger. The people develop this pattern and they go back and forth and they, they, they get judged for it. And, and part of that judgment, even in a good portion of the Old Testament, is they get evicted from the promised land. They don't even get to stay in the promised land. They have to, have to go to Babylon in exile. And Nehemiah calls out this pattern. In Nehemiah 9 and verse 17, it says, Our fathers, they refused to obey. They weren't mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. What Nehemiah is saying is our fathers were like that and we are like that. And Lord, help us, our kids are going to be like this. We stiffen our neck. We'd rather go back to slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful. What are the next words? Slow to anger. Friends, I haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the number of times God has said to be slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Through all of this, it's the truth of 2 Peter 3.9. It's the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. And like some people count slowness. But here's what's going on. Here's why judgment hasn't fallen on all of us. It's because of this that the Lord is patient. He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This is God's desire. This is why. So why would God be slow to anger? Why would God be slow to anger with them? Why would God be slow to anger with us? Why would God be slow to anger with you and me? It's this kindness and patience of the Lord is meant to not presume upon, but to lead us to repentance so that we wouldn't perish. I wonder what, I wonder what happens at a church when, when it's not just kind of the church I attend, but when we become the people of God, just molded together by the fact that God has been slow to anger with us. God has been patient with us. Would it not affect our singing? Would we not say, your blood has washed away our sin? Jesus, thank you. Would the intensity not come up a notch or two. When we recognize he's been slow to anger with us, wouldn't we have that on our lips? Wouldn't we sing songs like this? I, I think of a, a particular psalm in the Bible, and, and the psalms are like the songbook of the people of Israel. And so when we read those, it's like poetry, but, but, but these are songs that God's people would sing. And there's this particular psalm where they would sing about being, being forgiven of all of their iniquity. And healed of all their diseases and redeemed their, that God had redeemed their lives from the pit and God was not dealing with them according to their sins, but he was, he was forgiving them and not repaying them according to their iniquities. And that, that Psalm is Psalm 103 and listen kind of right in the heart of Psalm 103, this song of praise is the Lord is merciful and gracious. He is, and there's a word again, he is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. This is our community. This is why we would treat each other with patience because we know God's been slow to anger with us. Why would we not be slow to anger with each other? This is why we look at a world that needs Jesus so desperately and why we can be slow to anger because we know God is slow to anger with others and he's, and he's calling them to repent and let us be the church that extends that call. So here's the pathway. Come back to the Lord.
Do we know God's patience personally? Can you look back at years of your life? And I don't say this so that you might wallow in guilt and shame. I say this, can you look at, at times where God had really a lot to be angry about in your life? Failed promises? Stubborn disobedience? Coldness? Anger at him? Do you not see a track record of God being slow to anger with you? Well, the worst thing would be like if we talked about God being slow to anger and you only heard it this morning in theoretical terms. Like, yeah, it's a category, but it wasn't impressed on your heart that, no, it's you. It's you. It's me. I was impressed on Paul's heart. He says it in 1 Timothy 1. Listen to Paul. I, I, wonder, I wonder if this would be your story. I receive mercy for this reason. That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. This is what we are. We are examples. To those that don't yet know Christ, this is what it looks like when God shows his perfect patience to us. God's plan develops over time. God works in his time for your good and the embodiment of that good is Jesus Christ, what he's done for you on the cross. Can I ask you to take a moment and bow your head? The kindness of the Lord is meant to lead us to repentance. I'd like to have space to do that today. Yet I also recognize there may be those that, like the message of God's slowness to anger may be coming alive in your heart and you realize it's, it's me, he's been... He's been pursuing me. He's been working to change me. Maybe today you pray, you cry out to him. I I don't know what it, even all of what it means to be a Christian, but I do know this, you've been slow to anger with me. You've been patient and, oh Lord, I come to you asking for forgiveness. Maybe you cry out to him like that. Maybe you need to talk to a friend or, or someone after the service. Maybe recognizing God's slow to anger helps you this morning when, when God delays answering all your prayers, when God makes you take a detour you would have preferred not to take, when, when you're dealing with difficult people when you're suffering, God works in his time for your good. Oh, Lord, hear the prayers of your people right now as we lift them up to you.